Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Wet Nose Report. I am Dr. Jessica Grant, general practice veterinarian and podcast newbie. Today's topic is a big one, allergies. One of the most common pet ailments we see in veterinary medicine is allergies. Does your dog or cat lick, scratch, bite, chew at itself? While parasites and other problems could definitely be to blame, allergies certainly top the list of potential causes. So let's start with the basics. What is an allergy? An allergy is an overreaction of the immune system to a particular substance called an allergen. Let's say that you are allergic to strawberries, so instead of the immune system recognizing that you're eating a strawberry and saying, eh, it's a strawberry, it completely freaks out and screams, oh my goodness, it's a strawberry, ah, no, quick, everyone to battle stations. And then a chain of events begins and you break out in hives or vomit or do whatever craziness your immune system decides to do, depending on what type of hypersensitivity it is. Well, the same reactions can happen in pets. Technically, there are four classes of hypersensitivities, and we could probably spend an entire podcast just covering those. Most of what we will talk about will fall into the category of type 1, like flea allergy, atopy, bee sting reactions, or type 4 contact allergy like poison ivy. Maybe down the road, we can do a deep dive into immunology, but it's just kind of too much to cover here. So we're going to talk about allergies in broader terms today. There are several main types of allergies, so let's make that list first. One, fleas. Your pets can be allergic to fleas. This is also called flea bite hypersensitivity or flea allergic dermatitis. Pets can react to other bugs as well, such as mosquito bite hypersensitivity in cats. Number two, inhaled or airborne allergens. This includes items such as dust, mold, pollen from trees and grasses and weeds, uh, also commonly known as atopy. Number three, food allergy, as in my strawberry example, but it could be any food. It could be soy, it could be beef, it could be anything. Contact allergy is number four, touching a plant or other item that causes a reaction. And then number five is a bacterial or fungal allergy. So what clinical signs might you see in your pet if they're suffering from allergies? Kind of three major classes. Dermatological, so this is your itching, redness, biting, scratching, licking. Even if you don't necessarily catch your pet licking, you might notice that their fur is discolored in certain areas. That discoloration is from their saliva staining the fur as they kind of lick those spots. Dermatological symptoms can be localized to just one spot or generalized, meaning all over the body. The second set of symptoms would be respiratory symptoms. So just like us, pets can sometimes cough, wheeze, sneeze, have nasal or eye discharge as a symptom of allergies. This is less common in our pets than it is in us. Uh, It occurs a little bit more frequently in cats than in dogs. And then the final kind of category would be gastrointestinal symptoms. So vomiting, diarrhea, excess gas. uh, These can all be seen in animals that are sensitive. So how do we diagnose allergies and how do we eliminate other disease processes as a possibility? First, we listen to you. 
We take a history of what symptoms your pet has been experiencing at home, when it started. We look for patterns. Next, we look at their clinical signs. If the symptoms are skin related, where on your pet are they? Then we look to rule out other possibilities, looking for the presence of fleas or flea dirt, uh, doing skin scrapings to rule out mites, which are not visible to the naked eye. We may suggest some blood work to rule out other problems that can cause skin issues, such as an underactive or overactive thyroid, diabetes, Cushing's disease, etc., etc. And then the fourth step would be we would do allergy testing. While many pets can be treated symptomatically based on just the presumptive diagnosis, allergy testing is the best way to determine what your pet is reacting to. And there's two ways that allergy testing can be performed. Intradermal skin testing is performed just as it is in humans. A small, a small amount of the allergen is injected under the skin and then a reaction is measured. This is typically done by a veterinary dermatologist. Or blood testing can be done, which can usually be done at your regular veterinarian. We pull blood in the office, send it out to an allergy lab, and they test for the IgE antibodies. Within a few weeks, we have a report back that shows what allergens your pet reacted to and whether they reacted mildly or strongly. Okay, okay, so Fluffy has allergies. Just please make the itching stop. This is something we hear very frequently. So let's talk about some treatment options. The first line of defense is topical medications. This includes ointments, creams, sprays, shampoos, even mousse. The ingredients are often a combination of an anti-itch medication like steroids or maybe antihistamines, an antibiotic or an antifungal, or other ingredients like uh, fatty acid supplements or uh, phytosingosine, which is a pro-ceramide to help kind of rebuild those natural ceramides to support a healthy skin barrier. Topical products may also include other items to promote healthy skin and coat. Two of the most important things to remember when using topicals are the frequency of application and the contact time. When we send your pet home with a specialized medicated shampoo, your goal is always to suds up your pet and then let that shampoo sit on them for as long as possible. Five minutes is great, 10 is better. We may instruct you to repeat the shampoo once to twice a week in a severe case. There are a few other handy tips when you're trying to apply a, a topical to your pet, such as an ointment or a cream or a spray. Animals tend to lick things off, of course. So the trick is to put that product on your pet's irritated skin just before you, say, put their food down, or just before you go for a walk, or just before they're going to snuggle with you on the couch. This way, whatever else they're doing at that time will help distract them, and they will be more apt to kind of leave that area alone and let the medication work. Another very simple thing that you can do to help your dog feel better when suffering from allergies is to rinse them off more frequently. Even if you can't do a full bath, when they come in from outside, you can rinse them off or take a washcloth, run some warm water on it, and just kind of wipe down their body. You can do this with cats, but they aren't always as agreeable as dogs are. You can use pet wipes that you buy, but warm water works just fine. This helps decrease the amount of pollen and other irritants that sit on your pet's skin. 
I tend to use this example, think about springtime when you walk out to your car in the morning and no matter what color your vehicle is supposed to be, it's kind of that nice new shade of greenish yellow from all the pollen. Pets don't shower every day like we do and we do have evidence that they get some absorption of allergens through their skin. So the more frequently you can wipe that stuff off of them, probably the better they're going to feel. Okay, let's move on to some oral medications. There are quite a few different oral medications that we use, and it depends a great deal on what symptoms your pet is experiencing and the severity of the symptoms. We use steroids like prednisone, prednisolone. We sometimes use antihistamines, although they're not very effective in pets. We use antibiotics, antifungals if they're needed for a secondary bacterial or yeast skin infection. We use omega fatty acids. Treating any underlying conditions or what we call comorbidities like hypothyroidism or other endocrine diseases is very important because those things can make skin problems worse. Other drugs that modulate the immune system, such as Apoquil or Atopica, are extremely useful for long-term control of symptoms, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. The next class of medications we use would be injectables, and many of the drugs that we can use as oral versions, we also can use as injectables. And there are pros and cons, oral versus injectable, depending on the situation. One of the newer immune-modulating injectables is called Cytopoint. As of right now, it's only available for dogs. Hopefully, we'll maybe see a cat version available sometime soon. I'm going to kind of deviate here for a moment to focus on a couple of these newer medications. Apoquil and Cytopoint are two of the newest weapons we have in our arsenal when it comes to allergies for our patients. These particular drugs help block certain antibody receptors and kind of stop this cascade of events that happens when an animal reacts to something they're allergic to. These medications really do help cut the itch. They're specifically designed to target and neutralize one of the main proteins that sends the itch signals to your dog's brain that triggers scratching, licking, chewing, biting, etc. By blocking the signals that trigger allergic itch, the constant scratching can stop, the red irritated skin can heal. Cytopoint is like a biological medication, so more like a protein than a chemical. As I mentioned earlier, antihistamines don't work well in pets because in humans, our allergy symptoms are mostly mediated by histamines. Therefore, we take antihistamines. In pets, allergies are primarily mediated by leukotrienes, and both Cytopoint and Apoquil are anti-leukotrienes, so they work much, much better at decreasing the symptoms. For pets that exhibit respiratory symptoms, uh, often these are kitty cats, we can actually use inhalers, just like they do in people, to minimize symptoms. There's a special adapter and mask that we use to kind of adapt human inhalers for pet use because, you know, we can't hand our pet the inhaler and ask them to take a big breath. AeroCat, A-E-R-O-K-A-T, and AeroDog, A-E-R-O-D-A-W-G, um, are these two really cool adapter units uh, made by, I think it's Trudent Animal Health, or Trudell Animal Health, I think. And last but certainly not least, let's talk about serum therapy, or what we call hyposensitization injections. 
This essentially entails giving the body very tiny amounts of the allergens that your pet is susceptible to in a controlled way to try and change the body's reaction. Basically, we're trying to reprogram the body's immune response. This is exactly what they do in humans. If you ever have known anyone who said they were going to their allergist to get their weekly allergy shot, this is what they're talking about. Once the pet or the person is tested to determine what they're allergic to, a serum is made of those allergens and is given back to that pet or human in very small dosages over time to try and change the body's reaction. So all of these options I've listed above relate more to inhaled or airborne allergens. When it comes to food allergies, we can do blood testing to help guide us, but it's not as useful and, and not as accurate. Usually the most effective diagnostic tool is what we also use as a treatment tool, and that's picking a new diet. There are several different types of allergy diets to use, so let's talk about them next. The first type is called a hydrolyzed protein diet. In these types of foods, the protein has been hydrolyzed, meaning it's been changed in a way that the body's not going to recognize it. They're often called hypoallergenic, meaning very low allergen, uh, very unlikely to cause a reaction. The diets are a bit more expensive because it is a more expensive way to prepare the food and process the ingredients that are in the food. A second option would be what's called a limited ingredient diet. There are both over-the-counter and prescription versions of limited ingredient diets, and I'll come back to that in just a minute. But essentially, a limited ingredient diet means that they take one source for the carbohydrates, say sweet potatoes, and one source for the protein component of the diet, say fish. Your veterinarian might specifically recommend a prescription limited ingredient diet. Those prescription diets are are made a little bit differently than over-the-counter diets. And the easiest way is to use this example to kind of explain how this works. So if you've ever noticed that on a candy bar, it will say something to the effect of, you know, this candy bar does not contain peanuts. However, it's manufactured in a facility that processes peanuts or something like that. It's a pretty common label script. There is always a possibility that you could get a little bit of peanut dust in your candy bar, even if it doesn't contain peanuts. So for people with mild allergies, it may not be a big deal. But for people with severe allergies, it's really important. The same situation applies to these limited ingredient pet diets. A lot of the -the over-the-counter kind of quote limited ingredient diets unquote are still made in the facility where they make all their other diets. So there is that potential for crossover. Whereas the prescription diets, typically the limited ingredient diets are made in specific locations to avoid that problem. So again, it depends on your pet. It depends on the severity of the symptoms, whether or not that's going to be a major ordeal. If you're going to try and introduce either a hydrolyzed protein diet or a limited ingredient diet for your pet, one of the most important things to remember is that they absolutely cannot get any other food, no treats, no snacks, no table food, nothing that varies from those ingredients. Otherwise, you're just wasting your money on the specialized diet. Ideally, you should feed the new diet to your pet for one to two months, two is better, before deciding if you see any difference. So today we talked a lot about allergies, different types, different therapies. I want to be sure to not head out without one last note, and that would be hot spots. 
What are hotspots? You may have heard this term. A hotspot is a localized area of what we call acute moist dermatitis. This means that there's significant inflammation of the skin in kind of a wet looking lesion that's red and raw and incredibly itchy. More of a dog problem. Hotspots can form because of chronic allergies. It can also be a reaction to a bite or a sting. It can be related to poor grooming. It can occur in areas where they have like a, a lot of fur and skin that kind of rolls in on itself. Uh, for example, under the neck, in their axillary area, or what you might call the armpit. Sometimes it can happen over areas where there's orthopedic pain or pressure points. If a hot spot is near the tail, we would check the anal glands to see if that's what the, tr uh, the pet's trying to get to and if that's part of the problem. And then we would also, of course, check for fleas because they love to hang out back there. I hope this helps clarify some of the most common problems that we see in dogs and cats related to allergies. As always, if you're concerned about symptoms your pet has experienced, contact your veterinary team and they can help guide you from there. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Wet Nose Report. We look forward to seeing you next time.